Wild baby. Wild baby. Wild baby? Wild baby. Welcome back to another episode of Wild Baby. We're your hosts, Maddie Wong and Jay Bouquet, Colorado-based portrait photographers sharing our personal perspectives and journeys through societal expectations on beauty. Wild Baby is here to provide people of color, gender identity, and sexual expression, a safe community that will allow everyone to grow, learn, and heal. Disclaimer, we are not licensed therapists, sexologists, or claiming that we know everything. We are just a community who wants to have interesting conversations that will hopefully allow us to heal. Hello, hello, wild babies, and welcome to another episode. I hope everyone's Friday is doing amazing. It's Friday the 13th. I've seen plenty of artists out there releasing flashes for tattoos. I am dreaming of the time that I've spent and the future projects and time I will spend with my Girl Destiny illustrations. I am in love with her and in love with her work. She builds such pride for me in terms of self-identification and individuality within art and creation. So I hope that your Friday is going super well. You can find that inspiration and creation, whether it be with an artist or within yourself. Happy Friday, everybody. If you don't know who this is, just by the sheer sound of my beautiful voice, it's Jay here. I'm feeling a bit wild, so today we're going to do something a little different. Today it's just going to be me. Just me. You're welcome. You get all of Jay. <laughs> I've got my candle crackling made by Candles by Jay. And no, this is not by me because I get asked so many times. But it's instead made by Jalen McDaniel. Let me see if you can hear the crackling. I hope that was enough. It's really, it's super divine. Wisdom and clarity is what the candle is named after. Brilliant, wonderful, smells amazing. Candle is ready. Water bottle is near. Hydrate, bitches. All right? We all know that living in Colorado, you're going to get dehydrated. So hydrate the fuck up. Here's that daily reminder for you. Love you. Mwah. I'm getting ready to talk to you about me, okay? It's all about me. I want to share with you something personal, and that is my journey to discovering who I am. And I've written a little piece about it, so it's likely going to be from that. So let me just dive in, because I don't know. I don't really know how long this is going to be, how long this is going to take. So let's just do this. So I'm February 3rd, 2020, at exactly 1944 military time, or aka 7.44 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. I'm on military time because I like to travel, and I'm that bitch. All right, I wrote, I feel like a fraud today. 
I'm living in a life where I can barely remember my past. I don't recognize where I came from. And I certainly forgot about the individuals who've guided me here today. Reading this old diary entry has me and my feelings because personal identity has always been super important to me. It shows up in my work even today, photographing portraits and individuals. How can I understand who they are? How can I identify who they are? So it makes sense why it's in the work that I do today. And it also seemed like it was great in pertaining to today's conversation. So my question for you to reflect on throughout this episode is, have you ever felt like the only one in the group? Perhaps your views on politics are different from your coworkers or that you're more reserved with your sexuality and endeavors than with your friends. I was one of the many people in the world that struggled with feeling like I was the only one. Not only from my viewpoint and how I chose to do things, but in particular feeling like I was always going to be different as a mixed female. And for the people who don't know, here's some background about me. I come from Navajo Nation, the reservation off of Bloomfield, New Mexico. My mom is mixed with both black and Caucasian descent. And my dad is full blood. He is Dine or Navajo and Ute. Shortly after my father passed away, my mom said it was time to leave. Being a mixed person on the reservation may have caused some tension with her not being native. So in order for my mom to have been able to take me and my little sister, who is also Native American, she had to go through the process of ICWA, aka the Indian Child Welfare Act. For those of you who don't know anything about the ICWA Act, it is here to protect the best interests of Indian children and promote the stability and security of Native tribes and families. Because in some cases, There are people who try to test the stability of an indigenous home and basically separate the native children from their families and then eventually get colonized and adopted by white families, therefore colonizing and deconstructing the ways of indigenous culture. So in order to protect them from that ever happening again, we have the ICWA Act. Now keep in mind, this is a brilliant thing and I'm really glad that we have this, honestly. However, it does come with its frustrations. And if you're all interested in those, I think it's best that you choose to do your research on it because knowledge is power. Okay, getting back to the story. So in order for my mom to keep me and my little sister, we need a guardian of indigenous blood quantum uh, that will entail that we preserve our native culture. After going through the logistics, my family and I all were moved to Fort Collins, Colorado. 
and not to draw attention or harm to the city, but considering my background, I had been placed with the majority of the population as white people, if not white passing. And I wouldn't consider this town the origination of colonization, but considering where I came from, I came to be colonized. Damn, my mama is going to love that I just said that. (laughs) Anyway, growing up, I wasn't exactly clear which box to choose in terms of my own race and ethnicity. The options were Caucasian, African-American, or Alaskan slash Native American. (laughs) I was all three, plus other identities much smaller in the percentage category. (laughs) Colonization. But I knew I was mostly Native on the pie chart. I knew where I came from and coming to Colorado, I also spoke Dine. So for a long time, if I could, I would check all three of those boxes. But on the occasions where I couldn't, I felt like I spent more time stressing on which identity I was than filling out the actual form in the first place. And every once in a while, I'd claim African-American, which I knew kind of felt weird because we identified, my mom identified as being black, not African. But it's what they were looking for to generalize our people, right? (laughs) Colonization. After many years of this, speaking English, surrounding myself with white and Mexican Hispanic friends or peers, I eventually felt like I got to a point that I didn't even believe I was anything but white. I acted white, I talked like a white person, was attracted to white people. I don't know. It felt like, in a sense, I had been colonized. Unintentionally by my family, maybe intentionally by my government. The interesting aspect that people forget is that I was socially white passing, but not always physically white passing. Getting the splendid comments leading to, you're not Indian unless you can handle an Indian burn. So me being me, I handled stereotypical judgment along with an uncomfortable amount of times people tried to twist my arm and me doing it back to prove them and myself where I came from. I'm not white enough to be singled out and called exotic and that there aren't as many natives anymore with a grin on their face. I'm not white enough to get confused with being Latin or Mexican and clearly not white enough that my friends can get away with saying things like, I can't be racist because I have a black friend. I'm cool because I have a black friend. Now I'm still friends with some of the people who made the remarks, though I know it was wrong and that the comment was out of ignorance. I tend to think that with your close friends making comments like that, They aren't intending to do any harm. I just kind of look at it by the lack of education and or life experiences that they've had and the knowledge that they didn't receive. I never told anyone it hurt me. I never told them why it was wrong to say that. But it's interesting because 
what hurt most about it was that them calling me black didn't even feel honest. How can I claim and pride myself of being black and even a native if I've lived a home life that wasn't stereotypically what the cultural idea of what a black or native person was supposed to look like? Or if my cultural background that I had soon felt like it was non-existent, how can I fit in as a black demographic if I was if it was only based on a percentage? What did it mean to be black, native, mixed? Is this who I am, mixed, and that's it? A mutt? A story untold due to the the cognitively demand of a mixed person, which is passing as somebody who's white and not embracing one's race, preferring a mixed person over a monoracial, leaving nearly 33.8 million people thus far with no connection and isolation of a story untold. That's kind of what I mean there. Through a Jim Crow system. What I'm trying to get at there is there's not enough mixed stories being told, in my personal opinion. You got mixed-ish, but that only ran for two seasons. And again, there's a lot of people who are mixed race out here, and who knows how the world's going. I'm shocked that there's not more. I thought everyone was a little, a little mixed. Even white people are a little mixed with other whiteness and stuff like come on the humor in this is that there are so many people feeling alone frustrated and similar to like one of those like British guards standing you know strong letting people talk shit and trying to protect their identity and self-worth here I am protecting my native and black roots from racist remarks but also protect my whiteness due to the lack of education I was receiving and ignorance I thus ended up developing. So the humor is, at least we aren't alone in our feelings of isolation, which turns out was very helpful within this process of mine. touch a little bit on that education for a second because if I'm being real (laughs) my education of native people literally only took a second all right a day I remember being told that we're going to learn about quotation marks Indians and I was excited holy shit that's my people (laughs) what a fucking joke okay They had the presentation regarding Thanksgiving and the brief explanation of what happened before then. But turns out it wasn't white colonizers' fault for creating this war and apparently winning. But the fault of the Indians because of the misinterpretation. But it's okay because we're all at peace. 
that's why we're having Thanksgiving today. Yeah, no, no. No one died afterwards. We all ate broke bread, as they say. Ate a turkey. All ate the fruits and the veggies and the labor of an indigenous culture who gave the colonizers resources to provide them with a future and then raped and murdered them shortly after. Right, right, right. Okay, damn. I guess my heritage sucks in people's eyes. In the eyes of my peers? That may have been like the day that my hatred for history got a good old freedom stamp and mailed in, baby. And how is it that the black history and civil rights movement is the focus? Pain, suffering, and only little progress today? How is it that teachers and or people writing curriculums are okay with ending it with that? We're all good now. There's no no one at war hurting anyone. I think the best way to get past the emotions of our history is by also including things that celebrate people's cultures. Food. Fashion. Music. Films. Do you want me to list them all? Like, it's very easily accessible. I don't see the struggle here. Yes, we have suffering, but there's also life, right? Am I to believe being black or native is prideful with this kind of education? Hate, pain, and fear is the only association? Very cool colonization okay so hopefully you've kind of gotten where i'm coming from there throughout this (laughs) where i'm where i'm coming from within my own personal journey so let me ask you again have you ever felt so alone in a group of people do you two live a confusing journey of being mixed if so I know you and I know I you know that I know it's hard. Who the fuck are you? Who are we? And who am I? All questions I will always ask myself, but as far as my culture, it didn't take until the end of like 2020 to decide how I wanted to identify within my own culture. Because Black Lives Matter held so strongly across the globe, it like hit a lot of wounds and for a lot of people. Not only were we dealing with like death of COVID and death of black lives, death because of red versus blue, just fucking crazy shit. But we also feared and were stuck in isolation We had a loss of connection and struck by the awareness of racism more so in our faces than it has been for at least my generation ever, at least not to the magnitude of which we see it today within police brutality and social media. This is like the first time we're like, what the fuck? It's it's why is this still happening can someone explain this to me we 
just didn't really talk about racism throughout school unless it was in the past. And it doesn't happen today. It doesn't happen today. Okay. Colonization. And on top of that, you know, we have some like financial losses. This whole process of 2020, it's like apocalyptic, if you ask me. Apocalyptic, if you ask me. Damn, that, that word is thick. Anyway, circling back, it's interesting how even I, as a mixed person, was a source to educate people on black lives. I was posting stories, emotions, um, actions that other people had done in order to support the community and fundraise and or march. I was educating myself and doing what I could with the mental space that I had to, you know, submit petitions and emails and even attend the marches. Yet, because I shared someone else's experience it then made me the source like doesn't that make you kind of feel weird in a well okay I don't know about you but it made me feel weird because in a roundabout way is that making me white enough to then empathize with people who are white and so they want to ask me about these questions of what it's like to be black honey Even I know I'm not black enough. So I ask you not to think that me as a mixed woman, especially as one that really comes from indigenous roots more than anything, that I'm going to know, I'm going to be able to empathize in the way that a black person has from the black experience. I've had my own stories being a mixed person, but I do not have my stories of being a black person. And thus, I would never claim to know what it's like to live as a black person. Okay? What? What were you thinking? Like I mentioned before, how can you claim a culture that you've barely experienced? That's where I got mad at people, okay? Like, during 2020 Black Lives, I got mad at people and said, do your own fucking research. Like, that's... Educating you is not my problem or any other person of color's problem. To educate you on your own personal ignorance. Educate yourself. We have Google, a.k.a the internet. Do you realize how easily accessible it is to type into the Google search engine, black lives matter, or statistics of police brutality within the black community? This is also where I decided that I don't feel comfortable speaking for and telling someone I am black. I'm not li- I have not lived this level of experience except through generational trauma. So that left me with, who am I then? Well, you know, I, I come from Navajo Nation, Bloomfield Reservation. I used to dance and power hour around the house. I have a blood quantum sheet, colonization. I have that, you know, and... um 
closer and have seen and have helped felt the struggle of a native person but not anymore there's some privilege in that hmm oh, who the f- what the hell do I do who, who am I okay who am I please answer that for me no I'm kidding I'm kidding I can figure it out myself I'm a big girl something to think about is perhaps we are everything we are everything our ancestry DNA test has told us. <laughs> if you've taken one, I've never gotten one. I, for some reason, just don't trust it. <laughs> the government and colonization. Everything your parents have told you, maybe that's you. I can be everything I am according to the boxes I'm required to check off. And maybe culture means more than just what comes before you that got passed down. You know, culture is also what we build today to feel united. Coming together as one. Maybe Wild Baby is my culture. Maybe you're my culture. Falling in love with spaghetti listening to Lose Yourself by Eminem because you only got one opportunity. Are you going to seize it or are you just going to let it slip? My palms are sweaty. You know, I just ate mom's spaghetti. (laughs) How perfect was that? Okay, first off. But seriously, like, love Eminem. And also... Laughing, watching films. Can that all be defined as my culture? I think I've learned that if I wanted to, I can surround myself with my people to tell me stories of the past if I choose to seek them once again in order for them to implement wisdom for my ancestors. But most importantly, I know my ancestors are within me and, you know, maybe that they're already and wanting to speak up and speak through me even today. And that feels pretty fucking connected to my ancestors, if you're asking me. Now for today's affirmation. I am aware that the strength and knowledge I've gained from my experiences can help other people who are on the same path. Sharing my successes can lift others up, and sharing my mistakes can protect them. Stay safe. Stay sexy. Wild baby. Oh, we're so cute. (laughs) You like your cupcakes and sprinkles? Yeah. What else? That was a good cupcake. (laughs) Hehehehe <laughs>